We're back for the second part of the doubleheader weekend, and fortunately we don't have to travel so far as it's the British Grand Prix weekend. Welcome to episode 16 of Formula Talk, where we will be reviewing Austria F2 and F3 races from last weekend, previewing Silverstone, and also previewing F1 Academy, which is taking place in Monza this weekend. Joining me today for the Formula Talk debut is news and sports journalist Aaron Harper. Hi. Hey, Sophia, thanks for having me on. You've got me out of watching Love Island, so I'm talking about oh, something that's more... Actually enjoyable. Yes, more <laughs> to my interest, more enjoyable. So uh, let's discuss uh, young people driving around really fast rather than laying in a villa. Yeah, I've not seen this season yet. It seems boring to me, so I've just kind of focused, like you said, focus more in the sports. Is Wimbledon on as well, so I've been watching that instead as well. So that's kind of another sporting event, but... Not most sport. So before we start, we also must thank our sponsors for this episode. So Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to you to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on all the action. Make sure if you use our promo code that believe that is B L E A V, you will receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So, right formula. Let's start off with Formula Two. Racing in Austria, there was so much that went on this weekend i i'll say we mentioned it on the good talk uh live show on sunday if you haven't had a chance to take a look at it i 100 recommend it you'll see me in person in a pub sp- speaking about formula one which was great and meeting every- some people from the rest of the grid talk team but track limits was definitely a big thing for f2 and in f3 as well as it played a crucial part in qualifyings and also in some post-race penalties Looking at the qualifying, it was Victor Martens who was able to have a early start in qualifying on his way for a second pole position in his rookie campaign. He was able to have the best time of a 114.643 on his third attempt to take the top spot. Following behind him was Frederick Bessie, who has won um, in actually took pole last year and I believe won Um last year in Austria, and also his teammate Theo Porcher uh, was able to take third. Because of that as well, Jack Crawford was also able to take the reverse pole. Now, there were some penalties already in quali, where Isaac Hajar received a three-place grid penalty for the sprint race for repeating Jack Dewan, and also Ralph Marchand was able to, was given a three-place grid job for the sprint race for failing to follow the race director's responses in free practice. My predictions were gone then. That was straight away, like, within free practice, my bold prediction was absolutely done for about penalties, but... It was just crazy. Obviously, mixed conditions as well for qualifying, wet track limits, um, compound tires, and then obviously this. It was just this whole weekend was chaotic, Aaron. It was everything you want a Formula Two weekend to be, wasn't it? Like, there's no point predicting it because it's so unpredictable. It's, you're always going to end up with egg on your face. It would seem because you can pick someone. I I, I predicted Jack Doohan to pick to win the title. And, you know, I'm looking really clever right now with that. And then no one who I, I've spoken to about Formula 2 
thought Vesti would be a challenger. And there he is leading the championship. And he's doing a great job. Like He didn't get the pole position. Martens did a brilliant lap. Mm-hmm. But for Vesti, he just has to be on the front row for the feature races, pick up those, those big juicy points on offer in the feature race. And he'll be very, very difficult to beat. And I thought it showed like a real sort of class towards the rest of the grid in terms of Martins, Porsche and Vesti being the top three in qualifying. Oli Behrman should have been in there, but he was a victim of track limits. So he had to have his laps deleted and he ended up in 19. So like you said with the penalties, it was pretty wild. And then it's it's Formula 2. You, can, you never know what's going to happen. The moment you think you've got it figured out, it does something to change your mind and, and prove you wrong. It's just a brilliant series to watch in that respect. And quali- I always look forward to qualifying. It's usually on while I'm at work. So I've got one eye on what I'm writing and one eye on what's happening on the track. <laughs> so um, it, it's always exciting in Formula 2. And this qualifying session was brilliant. It was beautiful to see Jack Crawford on reverse grid pole, and he did a great job in the sprint. Yeah. Oh, you led me right into it for the sprint. As he was on reverse pole, he was able to claim his first F2 victory. Pretty much starting on the slick tires with the changeable conditions, the high-tech Pulse 8 driver lost out on the start, but looked untroubled once he was able to take the front spot on lap six and never really looked back. Um, Victor Martins, given the fact that he was starting from P10, made all the way up to take second. And across the line, it was Clement Novelak, which me and Tom, to be fair, Tom actually did say as a wild card, Novelak would get on podium. And it was almost right. He was texting me about it. But then unfortunately, uh, he got disqualified. There's a few safety cars throughout. Um, on You had Jehan de who brought out a safety car at the start of lap two. Um, this pretty much gave people uh, who were running on the wet tire to change for the slicks, which was a better um, tire to go on to. Um, Richard Vashore would accidentally dropped a wheel on the sausage curb and spun out on lap four at the restart and then triggering another safety car. Uh, racing went back into lap eight, and then there was a spin for Fittipaldi um, after pretty much, I think he hit Kashmini. Um, and because of that, he was actually given some penalties. Um, he was given a drive through penalty, which then consider, uh, converted to a 20 second time penalty for forcing him off. God, we said in the preview as well, like there was a lot of weird time penalties, 20 seconds, 15 seconds and 30 seconds. And it seemed like it happened again. Um, who else? Boshan as well was uh, given a time, a 10 second time penalty for forcing Cordero off the track. Phil Pauly was uh, handed a three place grid job for the feature race for that spin that he had with Kashmini. And also Taylor Boucher received a five second time penalty for an unsafe release. Well, now the final, the big one, which was Clement Novlak. Brilliant, brilliant race. Absolutely amazing. He stood out for me for some of the uh, sprint race from the parts that I actually was able to watch. But shortly after, he was disqualified um, after it was found that it breached Article 1219 of the technical regulations. Pretty much his uh, rear tire pressures were below the limit required. Pain. 
absolutely pain on that for him. And given as well, the sprint race was just shortly um, before, uh, before, sorry, just shortly after the news came out about the Freco driver of Diliano as well. It was just like, it was, it was very sombering. A lot of the drivers also didn't know. Um, I was fortunate to sit in the press conference uh, for that race, post-race, and it was mentioned that Jack Crawford was actually one of the few people that knew what happened as well, which was very tough to see. Um, we've mentioned multiple times, and we'll, we will definitely mention it, it uh, when we preview Spa about the dangers of wet track conditions, especially going up into Eau Rouge, given we have now lost another junior driver um, to that area. But sprint <laughs> uh, it, it was a consistent race with uh, tire strategies but what do you think Aaron? I really enjoyed the sprint I mean last year in Austria for the feature race we had the exact same situation at the start where it was a, a toss-up between slicks and wets and because they don't have intermediates in Formula 2 you you have to commit like extreme in one direction or the other and the track will either come to you or go away from you very quickly. It, it tends not to stay in the middle. But that just makes it even more interesting because you've got drivers on different strategies. Arthur Leclerc went from third to the lead at the start because he was on the right tyre at that moment in time. But quickly, the track dried up and it became a race for drivers who'd braved it out on slicks. And that's what made Jack Crawford's performance even more impressive. Yes, he he won the sprint race from reverse grid pole, but it was far from easy. And I was fortunate enough to do the the race report, the sprint race report for for another website that I'm I'm with, and it was a it was a, a strange first victory because he almost wasn't there. It was very quiet at the front. He just went about his business. It wasn't a spectacular coming through and stealing the win, a bit like Vashore on Sunday, but it was really good to see such a young driver deal with the conditions deal with the changing conditions and keep his head together Richard Vashore who I've just mentioned spun out in second place on the wet uh, curb in turn one so it's easy to make a mistake Jack kept his head together made sure he got to the finish and he got there first a brilliant performance and bearing in mind his success has come in the sprints this year all of his podiums have been in sprint races. If he can sort out qualifying and qualify in the top five, he might be a threat for a feature race victory. But a sprint race win is still a win in Formula 2, and he should be very happy with that. He's got another year of Formula 2 ahead of him because high-tech haven't quite performed as we may have hoped this year. But look at the level that the top guys are operating at. Vesti, Porsche, and Awasa, Behrman to an extent as well all very, very talented. That's not to say that the other drivers aren't, but they are operating at a, a slightly higher level than the rest. And to see Crawford able to deliver this performance, if he can do it consistently, he can match them week to week, race to race. Definitely. I mean, I don't want Crawford to stay in F2 for so many years and not win, but High Tech is uh, apparently putting in their bid into F1 for 2026 as well. So he's in a great position to kind of see um, maybe where he might have a career in F1. Hopefully he will win the world championship before that. But if that doesn't happen, he could have a good foot in the door to come into um, formula one from that. And 
with the points as well, like every point matters. It gets decided not last season uh, with just how amazing Felipe Djokovic drove, but this season, because it's very competitive and keep on changing. Like we've had drivers after this weekend move up three uh, standing places very easily. It's anybody's game. And you're con- if you're consistently getting those points, that's exactly what you need. You don't need those big one-off feature waste wins. You just need those consistent small points that make big differences. But yeah, I mean, moving on to like feature, I got my prediction right on podium. I am so happy. I said Richard Vashura would get his redemption after being disqualified last year, and it exactly happened. Pretty much, again, using the alternative strategy, um, starting from 11th, he pretty much gave his uh, fans a plenty to cheer for, securing Van Amsor's Racing's first win in Formula 2 as well. Um, Oasa, who has been quite quiet the last couple of races, was able to have a stellar charge of his own to beat out Frederick Vesti for second, but Vesti was able to take a podium. I need to really need to watch back and have a spreadsheet of all my predictions because I think I did say Vesti as well. I know um, Tom said it was going to be a premier one-two, but I think I'm leading the championship when it comes to Formula Talk standings about predictions. Um a few penalties that took place because unfortunately I missed the feature because it was so early-ish in the morning, especially F3's one that was at 7 a.m. I missed a decent amount of it. But Kushmani again received a five-place grid drop for um, at the conclusion of the feature race. He was assigned a five-second time penalty for track limits during the race. However, because they failed to carry it out in race and he did not finish the race, he will have those grid penalties that will take place for the Silverstone sprint race. So hopefully he starts quite high up in qualifying. I doubt it, um, but it might help uh, for him. Well, actually, maybe not even high up for qualifying, maybe like P7, P8, because even with the penalties, he'll probably drop down a little bit out. But yeah, the feature race, what did you think of it? It was brilliant, wasn't it? It was classic F2. I mean, you were just settling into the drivers on the alternative strategy, making that work and seeing if they could come through and how far they could get. Looked like the win was possibly out of reach for them. Vesti had the race under control and Duan was doing his best to to take that away from him. That looked like it was going to be a, a good battle to the end. But then the safety car comes out and it, actually it was the virtual safety car to start with. And this is like the really critical thing. This is what changed the race for, for Richard Vashore. If they'd gone safety car immediately when Leclerc's wheel had come off, Fittipaldi, who was leading the race, would have boxed. But because he because he couldn't box under VSC, he had to go around and it became, it became a safety car when he was on the pit straight. It allowed Vashore to get in and the rest is history, as they say. But it made for such a fabulous ending, didn't it? It was so exciting. And I must compliment um, Alex Jakes and Alice Powell, who were doing the commentary. They got the balance absolutely right. It, it was just, it was great to watch. They described it fabulously. It was just excellent TV on a Sunday morning, wasn't it? It was just brilliant. That's that's what Formula 2 is all about. It's probably often perhaps IndyCar, the most exciting series in like European, well, at least in European, but in, in motorsport, single-seaters at least at the moment. 
because I would say Formula E is too chaotic in terms of all the overtaking all the time. But with Formula 2 and IndyCar, you've got that nice balance of the challenge and a nice amount of overtaking. And when the strategies differ so wildly as they did, it makes for excellent racing. And credit to, to Frederick Vesti on tired, old, uh, soft compound tyres that he'd had on for laps and laps and laps to hang on to P3 and only lose a handful of points to a championship contender. That's a top effort. Iwasa only gained four points on him because he got fastest lap. If Iwasa had found a way past for sure on the final lap, different story. But Vesti looking every inch, the title contender and potential title winner that we we knew was in there, but it's just about getting it out. And for Vesti, it's very similar to Drogovic because you you saw it was the third season for Drogovic last year, back at MP Motorsport, a place where he was very happy and comfortable. They got the best out of him and look what happened. Very similar with Vesti. Spent a lot of his junior career with Framer, had that year at ART alongside Porsche. He'd have learned a few bits from Porsche, I'm sure. But now back at Prima, somewhere where he's happy and comfortable, got the confidence and look at the results he's delivering. His last uh, scores since the the Monaco sprint race, uh, 27 in the feature race, 10 in the sprint in Barcelona, 11 in the feature in Barcelona. Okay, didn't score in the sprint in Spielberg, but a third place, 15 points in the feature race. That is the key word to, to F2 is consistency. That's title winning consistency. Yeah, I think he might even have the win by the time we get into Monza for the last round preliminary to Abu Dhabi, do a uh, Felipe Djokovic, or even get into the sprint in Abu Dhabi. That could be even the outcome. But like you said, he's just been so consistent throughout. And obviously, Premish has been on a roll. Obviously, you have Oli Behrman in Baku doing the first time ever winning um, both feature sprint and also topping, taking pole, like literally doing He's the only one that actually has it in since 2017 with that kind of record in the history books in a Prema as well. And Prema is doing very well in the other disciplines as well. We see in um, F1 Academy, I'm going to mention it in Formula 3 because Prema did have a win as well in Formula 3 in Austria this uh, last weekend. They're racing the Italian 4, Freca, so many of the disciplines, but they're more consistent than some of the other teams like ART, Carling, these big names that you would expect more from have not been producing as well as Prema, but yeah, Formula Three, uh, another chaotic uh, race weekend where points are all needing, and it's a it's a little bit of a run in the standings so far. But I don't know. I think it could change in the next couple of rounds. We're pretty much halfway into the season. Well, we are actually halfway into the season in Formula Three, so anything could happen. But Looking at quality, once again, track limits. And I was watching this one live. I was in the middle of work and I was having my meetings and I was just like, oh my God, Paul Aaron is, is going to take pole. And I think that was one of my predictions. And I was just like, oh my God, he's done it. He's done it. And the one person neither of us said just got pole because Paul Aaron had track limits. Gregor Sarsi, who we've not really mentioned that much in performing well over the last couple of rounds, was able to secure his first Formula 3 pole position after a dramatic qualifying with Paul Aaron ending the fastest, but it was dropped to P4 after losing his best time for track limits. 
Pretty much the demotion of Aaron led Saucy to go into P1 with a 127, uh, sorry, a 120.457, um, with Prema teammate Dino Beckerbeck coming into the front row. Beckerbeck was just 0.004 seconds off Saucy's pole time, and championship leader Gabriel Bottoletto was third. Um, few penalties on top of just track limits. Zach O'Sullivan originally qualified seventh, but received a three-place grid drop for the sprint race for impeding Tommy Smith. Christian Mansell originally qualified third, but uh, due to crossing the white lines at pit entry, he was given a three-place grid drop for the sprint race. Oliver Gray given a five-place grid drop for the feature race for causing a collision with Rafael Villagomez. That was actually in the sprint race. That should not be in my notes. <laughs> That's weird. Don't bl- <laughs> blame Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> Hunter Heaney received a five-place grid job for the sprint race due to causing a collision from the feature race with Rafael Villa Gomez. We had mentioned that in the review as well because he did not finish uh, the feature race in um, Barcelona because he had damage. He, like similar to Kashmani, has to do for Silverstone. He had to do it for... Um, pretty much the sprint race. So even his qualifying, pretty much, he still had going points down. But yeah, I want, just track limits in general was just, obviously we mentioned in Formula One over, like quality in Formula One was 47 laps. I wonder how much it was for F3 because there's more drivers for one, but obviously a lot of these are rookies as well. Some of these drivers know Austria, having raced in Freca and Italian F4, uh, Italian, European F4. Wow, I'm really stumbling today. Um, but yeah, it was quite interesting. What did you think, Aaron? Qualifying was an experience in Formula 3 because I have never seen five wide in qualifying. That was wow. The- the bunching as well, because they were all kind of like falling back to each other, trying to find the breaks. And even the commentators, um, Alice Paul and Chris Chris McCarthy, yes, um, they were even just kind of floored about that because it was like, it almost felt like it was a safety car restart with everybody kind of bunching around trying to find the right spots for it. It was bizarre. I mean, I've seen farcical things happen in motorsport, like, Monza 2019, where nobody wanted to be at the front, and then they all missed the checkered flag for a final lap. And that was Formula One. That was Formula One, the, the creme de la creme of motorsport. But come on. I mean, 30 cars. I mean, it does beg the question, is the, the, the Red Bull ring actually too short for certain series? And, you know, maybe we, we have this with Formula One because they travel so quickly, they, they can impede each other, but this wasn't impeding so much as it was a car park just rolling. It was utterly bizarre. It looked like racing, but at a snail's pace. And then they all sort of stretched themselves out and found laps. It was bizarre. But, you know, for, for Paul Aaron, it was uh, Paul Aaron because he was fastest and then he wasn't anymore. Um, and I was really happy for the obvious reason of, his surname is my first name, so I can associate with him on that front. But yeah, it was it was tough for him. But that that's what junior formula racing is all about, like going through those things. So like we saw Max Verstappen lose a pole position in Mexico 
a few years ago. And then I don't know if he had it happen to him before because he he hadn't been through the junior categories quite as much, but it, it, it affected his temperament on race day. And you could see that. So Paul Aaron had the opportunity to go, actually, yeah, you know what? I'm still in a decent position. I can I can still fight from here. So it's important that these things happen in junior, junior single seaters for these drivers because then they become more complete. So not necessarily a bad thing for Paul Aaron, but you know, Greg Saucy, that's such a cool name. Really cool. Great for him to be on pole position. And, you know, credit for him to keeping it in the white lines because even a seven-time world champion couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm still laughing about Paul Aaron. Paul Aaron, like, oh, that's such a good play on words, especially if you have, like, certain accents as well. But it wasn't poor Aaron for the... <laughs> I can't even do it properly. But for the <laughs> sprint race, it, it was redemption given the fact that he was starting from eighth on the grid to take his first F3 victory. Pretty much he was hunting down uh, the reverse grid pole sitter of Joseph Marti, um Wow. Pepe Pepe, Marti, yeah, it? Pepe Marti. Because, uh, yeah, so, did Saucy have a penalty? Is that why? Because, oh no, Saucy wouldn't be. Wow. This is really my <laughs> one of my worst ones right now so far. It shows how chaotic and how much racing's been going on and trying to actually get my words straight. Um, this is what double headers pretty much do. I'm so happy we don't have many triple headers anymore in F2 and F3 because I'll go crazy. Um, <laughs> Gabriel Mini was able to sec- uh, take some important points for the title fight uh, into second position ahead of Kyle Collette, another one that I mentioned in my prediction, um, who returned to the podium for the first time since Bahrain. We had two penalties on my notes that came through, which was Nikita Bedrin for Genzer. He finished 17th, but received a 10-second time penalty for an incident with Leonardo Fonoroli, which dropped him down to 25th. And then also Ollie Gray had been given a 10-second time penalty um, after causing a collision with Rafael Villagomez. Something's not good for Raphael. Like, he's just being hit left, right, and center in this season, and even last year as well, by the sounds of it, with all the um, <laughs> all the hitting. Um, pretty much, he was Ollie Gray was responsible for the collision. As he did not finish the sprint race, he was uh, the time penalty was converted into a fly pace grid drop for the feature race. But yeah, I mean, I watched bits and pieces of the sprint as well, and sitting in that press conference as well and hearing some of the conversations like Paul Lovely, obviously his first win was absolutely amazing talking about the win and especially given the fact that he was technically on pole until it was taken away from him. It just shows the um, knowledge and the maturity these drivers have to face as well, because it could just change in an instant as well. Um, You could be winning, taking the uh, driver's championship and then, penalties and FIA likes to give some post-race penalties which we saw in Formula 1 and you can listen to that in the grid talk as well um, with all the different penalties that took place but yeah it, it was good it was there was a few battles but it wasn't as busier compared to F3 sprint that's oh, sorry F2 sprint uh, but still had some good wheel-to-wheel uh, actions with all the cars on the grid it was a good result for Paul Aaron to come back with the victory on on uh, Saturday, especially having lost the pole position 
on the Friday. And that goes back to what I was saying about it's important for these drivers to go through that. And you know, he got his head straight for, for Saturday, got an important uh, 10 points on the board. But crucially, Gabriel, Gabriel Bortoletto didn't score in that race. So it it kind of bunches up the championship. But as we'll get to, that kind of changed a bit on the Sunday. But like you said, Kyle Collette, very good to see him back on the podium. VAR, they're generally very good in the, the lower formula. They're, they're finding their feet now in Formula 2, having got their, their first victory with Richard Vashore. So it's good to see them up there. But Formula 3 is always super competitive. You're never quite sure what's going to happen generally. And the sprint race was good, lots of good action. I'm pleased to see Paul Aaron make that step and in and make that, that victory his because he's been threatening that sort of performance for a while. He just hasn't been able to put it all together. But finally, he did. Yeah, I mean, given he is a rookie coming from Euro Formula Frecker, like he has been on the scene to be a great driver, him and Dino Bekovic as well. Um, both of them are kind of the ones. And also Oliver Goethe, who actually stole on the grid as well uh, in the sprint race, which thank God that didn't cause any collisions because obviously it was mixed track conditions as well. So you could just see the spray coming off and he was in the middle of the grid for that. So it shows the quick reaction for these drivers as well because anything could happen on the grid. Um, yeah, it was, it was just great in general. And then going into the feature race as well, um, somebody who we've, pretty much said is quite a decent driver. Um, he was able to actually claim his first feature race with a closely fought battle. Uh, Zach O'Sullivan was able to take the win at um, the Red Bull ring. And there was actually four different drivers that he- held the lead at various stages throughout the race, um, but pretty much was able to keep all his competitors at bay and was able to take the top position and podium and the points needed for his title contending. Um few other ones, uh, Gabriel Bottoletto was able to get points. Uh, he was able to finish in P2 to strengthen his lead to 36 points from um, second-place drivers. Kyle Collette uh, had back-to-back P3 uh, finishes for Van Amsor. So I definitely get, got part of my predictions, right? I'm very happy about that. Um, it's a track that he's been quite consistent at, Kyle. He was on podium last season as well in Austria. So... It's great for him. And as you mentioned with uh, VAR, they are good with Richard for sure. And also Kyle, uh, Kyle, I wouldn't say maybe for Raphael because he's just not having his best season. Uh, He didn't have the best season last season either as well, um, given from what I remember of his racing over the last couple um, seasons. But there was, as always, penalties. And we even have a disqualification, which broke my heart. We had Sebastian Montoya, who initially finished 10th. However, he was given a 10-second time penalty for causing a collision with Franco Colapinto, dropping him down to 20th. Hunter Yanni originally finished 13th, but was handed a 10-second time penalty for unsafely rejoining the track, dropping him to 21st. And then the heartbreaking one of Sofia Flourish, with her career-best finish, P9 in Formula 3, it was found that her front wing end plates were less than the required um, 70 millimeters above the reference plane. As a result, she was disqualified. That 
heard as as um especially with everything that's going on with female drivers um we have f1 academy obviously coming back this weekend but we have a few different developments uh within females in those sports as well it would have been it looked so good i watched some of the highlights as well she drove beautifully given the fact that she's been quite consistently in p15 and down her best finish prior to that was p13 as well uh p14 so it would have been such a great um well needed points for her uh f3 um not championship contending but for her f3 2023 career yeah, it's, it's always such a shame. And consider the journey that she's been on as well, that terrifying accident at the Macau Grand Prix a few years ago. The fact that she's even back in a racing car is fabulous to see. It's very similar to the story of Juan Manuel Correa in F2. And for her to have finished in the points and then have it taken away, I mean, the FIA, the rules are the rules, and we, we've seen them applied liberally in Austria this weekend. But... It really is, like you say, it's heartbreaking for her and the team to lose those points after such a great performance. But we've got to credit Zach O'Sullivan, who won the race. Gabriel Bortoletto has been very difficult to beat this year in Formula 3. So anyone who gets the better of him is doing a very fine job. And spare a thought as well for Gregoire Saucy, who obviously started from pole position, but has finished way down the order because of a puncture when battling for the lead. So there are a lot of up and down stories and that that's the nature of junior junior racing and especially Formula 3. There are 30 cars on the grid and some of the drivers are barely out of primary school. So they're, they're that young. So uh, you're going to have mistakes and misjudgments, but that's all part of learning. And I want to shout out to Kyle Collett because he managed to finish third in both races, which in... Formula 3 or Formula 2 to finish in the same position in both the sprint and a feature race, that takes some doing, that takes some skill. Yeah, I mean, oh, absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, the ages. We had an episode in the beginning of Formula Talk where we were talking about the different ages of some of these drivers, and it's just like, you just hear like 2000 and I'm like, I'm 1998, but even still, like, I even cringe when I hear 2000 end of these drivers. <laughs> and they're in the third division of probably the peak of most sport as well. It's It shows how determination and how much they sacrifice in the younger years as well to try to get into Formula 2, Formula 1, or even other disciplines, because obviously it's so competitive and there's so many of them wanting to get into the top um, divisions in motorsport. But yeah there was so much we could cover like just the yeah so much happened we just gave you a snippet of what happened in Austria but if we had more time we would definitely go into full race episodes per episode of Formula Talk but we're a roundup show so that was the preview of Austria we're now gonna preview Silverstone it is our home race and actually a few of these uh, teams and drivers home races as well so a few different of the stats We'll start with F2 first. So they've raced since the beginning of F2, which is 2017. Same information, same layout, DRS corners as Formula 1. Circle length, 4.891 kilometers. The sprint race, which will be taking place on Saturday, will be 21 laps. And then the feature race will be 29. Currently, the fastest lap came from Zhou Guan Yu in 2019 with a 138.182. Now... Looking at 
qualifying, it was Logan Sargent who took pole with Frederick Vesti joining him on the front row. Um, but in the sprint race with the reverse grid, um, it was Jack Doohan, Owasa, and Phil Party that was the podium for the sprint race. Now, all of them are driving in F2. Could this happen? No. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, because it's just not consistently been performing well. I, I don't think... Um, I think maybe one of them, I think out of all of them, I think Owasa probably has the better chance of getting a podium in the sprint. Um, but looking at the feature race as well, it was Logan Sargent that took pole, as uh, like pole, top position. Then it was uh, Teo Pochera in P2 and then Liam Larson in P3. Again, we have two drivers that don't race in Formula 2 anymore. One races in Formula 1, one races in... Um, Super Formula. Super Formula in Japan. Teopotra has been kind of dropping off a little bit as well. He was one of our favorites to kind of look into, given how great his uh, first couple rounds were and how great he was in testing. But what do you think? What, what can we expect? What is your pole, bold, and podiums for sprint and feature for F2? Wow. I mean... Not to put pressure on you. <laughs> predicting a race winner in Formula 2 is tough. But to predict two sets of podiums, <laughs> I've okay. been quite good. I've been getting my wins quite decently, ish. To be fair, my 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 tried and tested formula for Formula One in terms of predictions has been uh, uh, pick the two Red Bulls and then the most likely bloke to finish on the podium with them. So with you that can in get mind, Red Bull drivers, you could pick the Red Bull Junior drivers and be close. That I could, <laughs> but then there's but. finishing, and there's so many of them they dominate the top eight. So. Uh, with the sprint race, I'm going to go for Dennis Hauger to win the sprint race. Uh, his qualifying has been a bit up and down this season. Uh, and then I'm going to go with Zane Maloney, second for Carlin. And I'm going to go with Arthur Leclerc to pick up a podium as well, because the pace is there, but he just hasn't had it come together. So I'm going to, I'm going to tip him for a, a podium uh, at the weekend in the sprint race. Have I got to do pole position as well? Did you ask for pole position? Yeah, pole uh, position. Because that's points as well. That is points as well. I'm going to go for a... You're going to say British bias, but I'm going to go Oliver Behrman on pole position just because I, th- I think he's so good. He hasn't had the consistency, but when he scores, he scores big. I mean, the Azerbaijan weekend was just insane. And then his drive in, in Barcelona, the pole position... And uh, the the feature race display again, excellent. So he's on it in qualifying, and he would have been right up there in Austria if you know he'd been allowed to use a little bit more track. If they just let him do that, he'd have been right up there. So Silverstone, his first uh, home race with Formula Two, I think he's going to get a lot of support from the British crowd because they, they'd have seen what he's done earlier this season. He's an outside bet for the championship. I'm going to tip him for pole position. Uh, although I don't think he's going to win the feature race on Sunday. I think his teammate Fred Vesti will. Uh, and then I think Porsche will finish in second. And I think we're going to see Jack Doohan on the podium as, for the first time as well. Bear in mind, he got his first F2 victory in Silverstone last year. In changeable conditions, he drove the wets into slicks, Lewis Hamilton-esque from Turkey 2020. So he's got previous around this circuit. He's good. And Austria was a much better weekend 
for the Australian. And it's good to see him back on form because he's the sort of character you want at the front. He's quick, he's feisty, and he's Australian. What's not love, what's not to love about Australian racing in Formula and Formula Two? It's brilliant. Always good fun. And don't forget, obviously, he is the reserve driver for Alpine as well. So you want him to do well um, throughout each of the rounds in when, Formula when 2. When Ocon picks up a race ban for all these penalties that he's picking up. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was going to be Gasly with all the points that he had going into the season, but it's completely 180 to his teammate for Ocon. Four They're going to crash into each other and they'll both be banned for various different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Then they've got a problem. Oh, don't, because I'm a big fan of both of those drivers. <laughs> I like I like Arcon and um, Gasly. I even have a Gasly jumper and everything. <laughs> but to be fair, decent, decent, decent predictions. I, I think I might follow a little bit similar to you in some of my choices. Um, I think Victor Martins will take pole, though. I think he is quick, but just not consistent in races. So I think pole for him. But for the sprint race, I think it will be. Oh, hmm. I think Richard Bashore will take top. I uh, do a double feature win. Uh, sorry, double P1 uh, win. I think ooh, P2. Let's go. I'm kind of going back on what I said earlier. I think Awasa will take P2. So pretty much the same as last year. P3, let's go with, I'm going to say him again, and I always say him every week pretty much, similar to you, I think he's just going to take P3 instead of P2, and that is Zane Maloney. I'm hoping for it. It's Carling's home race as well, so it'll be well-needed points for his championship. I can't even say championship. It'll be good for his rookie career season, his first year in Formula 2. In the future race, I'm going the same as you. I think Vesti's going to win. I think it's actually going to be a Prema 1-2, and I think it's going to be Vesti and Behrman um, because I don't think Victor Martins will do well, as I mentioned, he, just race pace. Um, I think he will probably finish like fourth or fifth. But rounding out the podium for myself, I... Oh, God, who else? Terry Butcher. Why not? <laughs> just pluck a name out of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do look at the standings. I'm looking at the standings and like just how they've been racing. And obviously, um, given to fact those are raced in Formula 2 last season as well. So, yeah, I, I think uh, Porsche uh, will be it. And it'll be good as well, given the fact that they're 20 points away from each other, Vesti and Porsche in the standings. And Owasa is only four points behind Porsche. So it's a close battle in that standings. And points is definitely needed in every single uh, round, whether it's the sprint feature, even pole when taking fastest lap. Um, yeah, let's move on to Formula 3. Now, this one, I feel like it's going to be more chaotic than anything else, given there's more drivers on the track. You have some really good corners on Silverstone. It's going to be competitive. Uh, they've raced every year that has been Formula 3, so since 2019. Uh, the sprint race will be 18 laps, and the feature race will be 22 laps. The fastest time was set in 2019 as well, and that was by Yuri Vips in the high-tech with a 143.902. Qualifying, Zachary Sullivan took pole for that, um, and then in the sprint race, the podium was Isaac Hajar, who's racing in F2, Victor Martins, who's racing in F2, and Reese Yusajima, who's racing in Indy Pro 500 in the States. 
who's also doing quite well over there. He's had a few podiums, and I'm very proud. But there's virtually podium is none of the drivers racing in Formula 3. Compared to feature race, Arthur Leclerc took the win, with Zach O'Sullivan taking P2, and then Ollie Behrman, again, racing in F, uh, F2 this season, rounding out the podium in P3. So, Aaron, similar to F2, give me your poll and your podiums for both of the races. Uh, I'm going to go for Bortoletto on pole position. He's doing such a good job. I mean, it's such a competitive field, and to be more than a race win ahead by this point is very, very impressive. So uh, I'm going to tip him to keep up the good work, and then I think we're going to see a sprint race home victory for Luke Browning, and then he's going to be followed home by... uh, It's so difficult. You might as well pick names out of a hat, because there's... there's, First of all, there's 30-odd drivers, and then you're never quite sure who's going to have a good weekend and who's not. And also the weather, (laughs) the great British summer of rain. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go for Gabriella Mini on the podium in the sprint, and uh, I'm going to go with Gregor Saucy in third in the sprint. Feature race, I'm going to tip uh, Pepe Marti to actually get the better of Borsaletto in the feature race. But I think Bortoletto will think championship and just think points is, is best. There's no need to fight. I mean, Marty might take a few points out of him, but grand scheme of things, that's that's fine. So I'm going to go Marty, Bortoletto, and uh, I'm going to go with Paul Aron on the podium in the feature race. Interesting, interesting picks. Um, oh, right. I think... Paul, he's going to do it again. I think Zach O'Sullivan will take Paul. Um, home race, why not? He's fourth in the standings, not that far off from second and third in the standings as well. Let's go with him taking Paul. I think for the sprint race, I think I'm going to go a little bit similar to you. And I do think Browning will be on the podium, but I'm going to say he's going to be P2. I say... And this might be a really random one, Sebastian Montoya to take the top spot. I I feel like he's he had the great opening in um the well actually no he hasn't had a really great opening. He's currently twelfth in the standings, but he's been kind of slowly getting those points, and he's almost he's pretty much got points every single round, whether it's in the sprint or the feature. So it might come into his favor. So I think he will win. I think Luke Browning will take P2. And then in P3, I want to say Franco Colapinto. I'm going wild in these Formula 3 ones. Usually hear my feature because that's even going to be worse. Um, it doesn't count because I'm not going against Tom, so it's fine. I can go wild and not really care. Um, but my feature, I think it will be Zach Sullivan to take the win. I think Johnny Edgar will get P2. And that's a big one because it is a year since he returned back after taking a hiatus for illness. I think it's his home race as well. I think it'll be a great thing for him um, coming back into his first full season after being diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So I think P2 for him. I think P3 will be Gabriel Bottoletto. I think he's just still quite consistent into that. Um, 
do also have to mention in Formula 3, we have another driver change. So Mackenzie Cresswell will be racing again in Silverstone. But we also have for Carling, Max Ericsson, um, Edison will be racing for both Silverstone and in Budapest after uh, in replacement of Hunter Yeni. Um, he won, um, he has raced in Formula 3. Um, has he raced? No, he's not raced in Formula 3. He's raced in GP3 uh, this season and in last. Um, the American driver will be taking place for those two um, races, maybe even more. We don't know. It's very similar to the Mackenzie Cresswell. Um, news that broke out before Austria. Um, do we go with bolts as well for Formula 2 and Formula 3 or just... I think our podiums are bold enough, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, too bad. I think that's probably exactly it. Um, and if that wasn't enough, there's also multiple racings and because we cover F1 Academy, we are now racing in F um, in for F1 Academy this weekend in Monza, this is round five out of the seven. So it's coming up to the end of the season-ish for, um, for F1 Academy as they're racing twice in July. And then they have a big break going into Austin for Coda matching with Formula One. Um, again, same style as F1 when they do race in Monza in September. Um, two free practices on the Friday, two qualifiers on the Saturday. Um, two races on Saturday and one race on the Sunday. Looking at the standings, Garcia is ahead by five points, followed by a great weekend for Hamda winning both race one and race three last week, uh, last time around. She is five points behind that, followed by Lena Buller, who had consistently points in every single race um, in Zanforth back uh, in June two weeks ago. Aaron, what's your take, though, overall for F1 Academy? Because we've I've discussed it with Philip, I've discussed it with Tom as well, and a few other guests that we've had on the show. What's your overall view about how F1 Academy has been this season so far? Well, first of all, I think it's about time that F1 actually did something that was specifically for, for females in motorsport. And them having their own series that's attached to, to the F1 brand is very positive. Obviously, W Series wanted to do that, didn't quite achieve it. It's it's going to take time for it to, to settle down and to get the level of competition that you want. But from looking at the standards, I haven't been able to see very much of F1 Academy, mostly because it's not being shown on TV, which is really frustrating. I've heard various reasons as to why that's been the case but i think making the full races available for people to watch would be much more beneficial and also you've got to bear in mind that these girls they're trying to get sponsors and picked up by by teams and, and brands and stuff so if they only get snippets and like they look at results and stuff they don't get the full picture you don't see like the interviews with the girls and how they conduct themselves you know a lot, a lot of motorsport and historically has been marketing. How marketable are your drivers? How marketable is your team? Back in the early 2000s and the 1990s, all the cigarette companies wanted to get their branding on Formula One cars. That's why they were rolling billboards. Now it's cryptocurrencies. Now it's something else. And it will be something again in the future. And if you've picked up a superstar female driver, 
female sport is on the rise in in this country because of motorsport, football. They're becoming more noticeable. They're becoming big stars in their own right. They're known for what they do specifically. They're not just, oh, they're, they're another person who does this sport. So it's great to see that there's a, a series for them. It's going to take time for it to come to proper fruition. But the competitiveness at the top of it is really good. For a championship to be as close as it is, with three rounds to go, nine races left, that's really promising. And Lena Bula can get herself in there. Narea Marti can also catch up. Abby Pulling, I would say, is possibly an outside contender as well. If she puts it all together, need a little bit of fortune to close the gap on uh, Marta Garcia. But it's motorsport. Anything can happen. But this is really good for, for F1 Academy. I believe they're going to be more in line with the Formula One series next season. So they'll be on the support card, which is which is really good because you've got drivers like Abby Pulling who are part of the Alpine Academy. So to have them on show to the F1 bosses, that's where all these girls want to end up. And Ferrari have uh, their WEC series, their WEC team, and other companies will have teams in other series as well. So getting them in sort of in the system there is the right way to go about it because then they filter out into the wider motorsport community. It's not, and we see even with, with men, it's not just about making it to Formula One. We would love to see a female driver in Formula One. I think that's long, long, long overdue. I turned 30 this year. I've never seen one. It's like, it's like seeing a unicorn, isn't it? So it would be fantastic. But then, but then on the flip side, it's great that you've got a female-only series, which I think is fabulous because in other sports, tennis, we, we mentioned Wimbledon earlier, you have the ladies' singles at Wimbledon, and that has just as much prestige as the men's singles. And it gets its own, uh, in the second week, it gets its own days for the quarterfinals, semifinals, and the finals. So it becomes the focus. And I think that that could be another route for female motorsport to go down, for it to become the focus. And that's what I like about F1 Academy. It's looking really solid in that the competition is there. You've not got one driver running away with it. That's not to say that Jamie Chadwick didn't deserve to be champion. She was just too good for the series, but she's gone on to better things in NXT, IndyCar. So in some ways, W Series has a bit of a legacy. F1 Academy needs to reach that. And that's... I think I've talked enough now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of Jamie Chadwick, she actually had her best finish uh, last weekend in mid-Ohio, finishing P10, which was great to have as well. But no, I 100% agree. And I think because F1 Academy was very last minute on where we were racing as well, we were still finalizing information. Now that the F1 calendar has come out for next season, it's all to play for as well. I've mentioned it to people speaking to who've asked about like thoughts about the new race calendar, obviously trying to reduce the carbon footprint, but I'm more interested to see how F2 and F3 will be because they do race in Baku. However, Baku is after Monza and that normally ends the F3 season and F3 does race in Baku. They didn't this season because of the sprint, but if Baku is not a sprint, does that mean that's going to end the F3 season or are they going to add more into the calendar? Same with F1 Academy. Um, as you mentioned, they're going to try to be closer to the F1 disciplines. But again, you have Formula 2 and Formula 3 that follow the discipline. I don't think you can have all of them, F1 Academy, F2 and F3, all following F1. I think cost, timing, events of 
how situations are um, in case there's red flags or weather problems. It'll be quite difficult, but I'm hoping there'll be a lot more racing. I'm hoping more coverage, as we've mentioned on multiple episodes, that it's very difficult to find information. Um, even when it's on the flag, information is very difficult sometimes because there is penalties or issues as happen. But I'm hoping for the awesome one, it'll be nice to have proper coverage of it as well. Um, and not having F1 Academy race same weekends as F2, F1, and F3, and also at the same time, most of the time as well, which is making it very difficult. Um, Frecker is a lower division and they stream it on YouTube. So why not F1 Academy? So we'll see. But before we wrap up as well, and what is your uh, top, just your P1 for each of the races for F1 Academy? Who's taking the full points? Uh well, looking at the recent form, Norema, not Norema, Marta Garcia is due a win. She hasn't won since uh, round three in Valencia. So I reckon she's going to take one. It's going it's to be very fun to see them tackling Monza because it's traditionally a very high-speed circuit. It's very different to the circuits they've been to so far. Um, I'm going to go for Ham- is it Hamda. Yeah, Hamda Alcabasi, because there's there's two of them I've just noticed in, in the sisters. series. And the, team, and the sisters and the teammates as well. They both race for MP Motorsport. Wow. <laughs> uh, Imagine the family dinners. I mean, yeah. I mean, we we thought we had it with the Schumachers in the 90s and the, the early 2000s, but that they never made the same team. So that's quite something. Uh, yeah, Hamda's going to grab another victory. She's won two out of the last three races, which, you know, 28 points. No points, 28 points. That's still a pretty good weekend in Zandvoort. So she'll be wanting to carry on that form. And uh, I reckon we're going to have a, a quite a wild race. And uh, I'm going to go for Abby Pulling to pull out her first victory. I, I, I was literally thinking in my head for race three, for Abby to take the win as well, home race as well. So, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, to be fair, I am going to follow kind of similar to you in predictions. I think in race one, I think, though, it will be Lena Buller. I think she will take the win. In race two, I think it will be Garcia. Um, I think she doesn't do so well in the um, qualifying one, which obviously is reverse um, for race reverse grid positions for race two. So I don't think she's going to do very well in the first qualifying and then for qualifying three, I think Abby Pulling will do amazing. She will take the pole and then pretty much from start to finish will lead the race. From what I've seen in videos and clips, it's never a lights to finish. Uh, there's always multiple overtakes and penalties and disqualifications and battling. But I think if you look at who started on pole and who took top in the final race for race three, I think it's going to be Abby pulling and well needed points as well for the battle for that, especially with Garcia taking the smaller amount of points in race two. But yeah, so much to cover. There's so much we can even mention. We got IndyCar that was last week, as mentioned in mid Ohio, we have Freca that will be taking place this weekend. Um, we, uh, as mentioned with our thoughts are with Deliano's family who was racing in Freca uh, for MP Motorsport. They've actually withdrawn this weekend in Freca because um, it was just too soon and to be there with the family and friends of the drivers. Um, some of these F3 drivers and F2 drivers have actually raced with him growing up as well. So it's 
it definitely needs a call for Spa. And again, I'll mention it when we um, when we preview it, both in F1 and F2, that um, F1 and Formula Talk and everything, um, that it definitely needs to be looked at going forward. There's been rumors about changing how the spray is as well, because that's that's the big cause of some of it as well when it's the wet uh, when it's the wet weather, um, how bad the visibility is because of the spray and the aerodynamics for it. But yeah, that is it for episode 16 of Women Talk. Wow, 16 episodes already. Um, pretty much we would love it if you could take love it if you could leave a review for us on spotify or on apple Podcasts. and if you're one of the 72 percent of people who have not yet subscribed to the channel please consider helping us out with a like subscribe share and follow again thank you so much for joining me aaron as well awesome love having you on might see you in a few episodes going forward because I'm taking a small hiatus because I will be in the States for a couple weeks and I do not want to watch a race at midnight or 1am and all that for Formula 2 and Formula 3 because they will be starting. I'll be seven hours behind. So if race normally starts at like 7am or 8am, that's midnight for me. I like my sleep way too much. I struggled with Japan. I'm not doing that again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But again, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Really appreciate it. No worries. It's been great being on and talking about Formula 2 and Formula 3 and diving into a bit of F1 Academy as well. It's been been really fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you've mentioned that you've uh, written with F2 and F3. Where can we find some of your work as well? Uh, So I write for F1 Chronicle and I also write for Inside F2. So uh, I write, I've been writing some of their feature race reports, getting some of their um, interviews because they had uh, their podcast host in the paddock uh, yes. last weekend. So uh, got a few exclusives there. And uh, yeah, you can read all about how Kushmani suits the Formula 2 cars. OK, it sounds really interesting. I remember seeing some of the inside F2 in some of the press conferences this weekend as well. And I've seen the names floating around. Maybe I might see you in one of them <laughs> in the future as well. Um, but thank you again for joining me. And that is it for episode 16. Next week, it won't be me. It'll be Tom back again and maybe with a few surprise guests to review the Silverstone and also the F1 Academy uh, Monza race. We have a little bit of a break before we go to Spa in Hungary, so it'll be a slightly short episode, but definitely all to listen for. And yeah, please uh, consider liking, sharing, uh, subscribing to our channel. Uh, We're on YouTube. We're not live. Again, every time I say that, we won't be live probably towards the end of the season. Um, But yeah, it's thank you very much for listening, and it's goodbye for me.